it's almost like a song that is being played that begins to start out and ends up in a crescendo. In other words, the volume begins to increase slowly, steadily, to the point where the volume is at full blast and the message of that is power and glory. The Gospel of John begins with, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then he goes to the point out in verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then John begins to build and to build and to build and to present to us Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. We're in chapter 7. And the crescendo is building. The message is coming true that Jesus is the Christ. I want to back up just a minute. I want for you to think with me about choices. Have you ever had difficulty in making up your mind? I know some of you just a few weeks ago as you were planning to go into the polls to vote were trying to make your mind up. Do I vote for this one or do I vote for that one? It wasn't as if it was always an easy choice. The truth is at times there were too many opinions. Everyone would say, oh, I am for this one and I am for that one. And I'm not just talking about the presidential election either. I'm, I'm talking about as people were beginning to make their choices sometimes even on a local level. And then you had the problem of listening to the experts. Oh, there was a time in which our news media was focused upon trying to say, here is what both sides say, and yet we live in a very partisan society, including our news media, and sometimes those who are supposed to be the experts have an agenda themselves. I think you're going to see that's not new. At the Feast of the Tabernacles, there's a large group of people who have gathered. All the male men among the Jewish nation are required to be at this feast. Oh, it's such a powerful reminder of the children of Israel leading out of the captivity and coming to the promised land and this week-long feast was marked by what sometimes today call a cedar meal. And it's marked by a lot of celebration that goes along with that. And while you're at this Feast of the Tabernacles, the experts are also making their views known. They're letting people know what their opinion is on the matter. And so we come down to the conclusion of... Who is this Jesus that is being discussed in John chapter 7? If you will, open your Bibles and let's study from this part of God's Word. We're going to look at four things, and it's really going to be an expository lesson. The first thing we will observe in the first ten verses is the views of Jesus' brethren. What did they think of him? Then we will look, and it's almost in a chronological way, and yet also, again, building. There's the views of the multitude at the beginning of the feast in verses 11 through 13. 
Then in the middle of the feast, there were those people who actually began to listen to what Jesus himself was saying. No longer are they taking everybody else's opinions. They're listening for themselves and they're judging for themselves. And then when you get to verses 37 through 53, you will get the views on that last great day. After everyone has had an opportunity to listen and to learn, there's still some prejudice, but there are going to be people who are able now to make a decision. Let's begin. Let's look at verses 1 through 10 and the views of Jesus' brethren. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the feast of the Jews of Tabernacle or feast of Tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go to Judea, that your disciples may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not yet going up to the feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things, he remained in Galilee. But when his brothers had gone up, Then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Now, for just a few minutes, I'd like to explore what John has recorded for us here. The first thing is, you have to observe, Jesus did have physical brothers and sisters as well. If you go to the book of Mark, to chapter 6 and verse 3, it talks about, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? You see, Jesus had physical brothers. We know of four. We know he has to have two sisters because it says plural sisters. So Jesus was from a fairly good-sized family. But they don't believe in him. And you have to ask, well, why not? I suggest to you that it's because they think that he's mentally ill. You know, if you go to Mark 3 and verse 21, there's a very enlightening verse that tells us, but when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said he is out of his mind. Now you think about that just a minute. And someone says, oh, but they had to have known better. No, they didn't. It wasn't but just a few months ago that we had a young man visit our services here. And during some time during the services, he started speaking out saying that he was the Lord. And thankfully, one of our ushers who provides security escorted the young man back to the foyer and tried to explain to him how he needed to be quiet during the services. But this young man protested, I'm the Lord. He was mentally ill. We know that. Here's a situation where the family of Jesus is looking at him and they're looking at him as if he is mentally ill. And they are in some ways mocking him by saying, you need to go up and show yourself openly. 
This is very reminiscent of what Jesus' brothers did. You remember in Genesis chapter 37 how that Joseph dreamed dreams and those dreams were that his father and mother and brothers were all going to bow down to him and oh, that didn't go over very well. In fact, it didn't go over well at all. In Genesis chapter 37 verses 18 through 20 they decided they were going to kill him. They throwed him in a pit. And they said, then we'll see what comes of his dreams. They're looking at Jesus and his brothers are not believing in him. But I am thankful to report to you that later they did. When Luke gives his record in the book of Acts and after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, they're gathered together there and... Acts 1 and verse 14 says they all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with women, Mary the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Oh, that's such a powerful statement. They now know that he is the Son of God. And perhaps one of the reasons, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, is that he appeared to James after his resurrection. His brothers did not believe at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. Later they did. But now if you would pick up with me at verses 11 through 13. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, Where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said, No, on the contrary, he deceives the people. However, no one spoken openly of him for fear of the Jews. Now, there are people looking for him. And that's not strange. The Lord has already had a major impact on the people in Galilee. You remember two weeks ago when we studied John chapter 6, the Lord fed 5,000 people. There were people who saw the miracles that he performed the turning of the water of wine to wine at Cana of Galilee. The healing of the nobleman's son who was at Capernaum while he was at Cana. Oh, there's so many things that you could look back and say, look at what Jesus did. The man who couldn't walk at the pool of Bethesda. Oh, yeah. Jesus is a miracle worker. They're looking for him. They want to see him. Some thought he was good. Why? Perhaps likely to the good works. Here's a man who couldn't walk at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus told him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And he did. That's amazing, folks. Can a person do good like this and not have a good heart? Perhaps some of them heard his moral teachings the great things that he had taught. You remember in John 4 when the woman at the well met Jesus and Jesus goes into the city of Samaria and the people say, now we believe not because of your word, but we ourselves, have, we've heard it. We know ourselves that this is the Son of God. On the other hand, some thought that he was an imposter. He was a deceiver trying to take advantage of people. Folks, there have always been charlatans. 
There always will be charlatans. There are people today who make merchandise of the faith. They're out trying to get you to be a part of their religious organization because they want money. I've watched a series on the television recently about the Church of Scientology, the Church of Money. All that church is about is not making people better people but fleecing them of their money. All You have to realize there are people looking at Jesus and saying, He can't be good because the reason is he's just an imposter. He's trying to prey upon the people. But now it says, nobody spoke about this openly for fear of the Jews. You've got to understand why. This is not just people being unable to express their opinion and maybe being a little bit too forceful about it. This is a matter, if you say that he is the Son of God, you're going to be kicked out of the synagogue. This is a matter where you may even be threatened with your life. You remember chapter 5, verse 16? For this reason, the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he had done these things on the Sabbath. If you said Jesus must be the Son of God, they'd say, you're supporting a man violating the Sabbath. Look at the way they're going to treat the blind man of John chapter 9. Now let's move. I know there's a long section here. and I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to pull some sections out of verses 14 through 36. Because now it's in the middle of the feast. Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went into the temple and taught. And the Jews marveled, saying... How does this man know letters, having never studied? Jesus answered them, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Drop down to verse 19. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The people answered and said, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Drop down to verse 23. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Now some of them from Jerusalem said, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? But look, he speaks boldly. And they say nothing to him. Do the rulers indeed know that this truly is the Christ? Now for just a moment, think with me about this section. This is in the middle of the feast. Half of the week has passed. And now Jesus is no longer in secret. He's going to the temple and he's going to speak and teach openly. Now people have an opportunity to hear them for themselves. Oh, everybody's been expressing their opinion. 
it's almost like a lot of what is going on now in the political realm. If any of you stay on Facebook, you realize that everybody is angry about everything. And this one's spouting this opinion on this side, and this is spouting this opinion on this And there's a lot of hatred, a lot of malice, a lot of hard feelings. And there's very few people seeking light. They're seeking heat. They want to express their anger. What Jesus is doing, he's saying, listen to me. Don't listen to people tell you what about me. Listen to me. And here's what they hear. How does this man know letters having never studied? That's sort of confusing to us to say no letters. What do you mean? A, B, C, D, E. No, that's not it. It's not Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta either. It's almost as if some people, when they go to school and they finish a certain level, they receive their bachelor's degree. And you get the letters after your name, B.A. or B.S. If you go a little bit further, you get a master's degree, and it may be an M.A. or M.S. or M.B.A. or something such as that. If you go a little bit further, you can get something that has a D as one of the initials, the doctor of philosophy, a doctor of education, a medical doctor. Oh, you see, there's, there's levels To know letters means that you have been instructed to the point where you've reached a level of the rabbinics, the the professional teachers. When they're hearing Jesus, they're hearing someone who can preach and teach and knows the scriptures. Oh, Jesus has known them a long, long time. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. John 1, verse 1. Oh, but listen to Luke chapter 2, verse 46. When he's 12 years old. Now it was after three days they found him in the temple sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. At 12 years of age, Jesus was able to stump the brightest of that day. Well, there's people listening to him now, and they're saying, how does this man know this, having never studied? He's not sit at the feet of Gamaliel. He didn't need to. He's the source of this word. They're amazed. But now here's a news flash. There's so many ideas of people saying, but you've got to listen to us experts. We'll tell you whether or not he is correct. And that's Jesus is confronting that. If any man wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is of God or whether I speak of my own authority. Verse 17. You don't have to have formal training be able to recognize God's word from man's word. 
Oh, you've got your own copy of the Scriptures. You can open them. You don't have to have some ecclesiastical authority that says, oh, here's what it means. You're too dumb to know or understand. This idea that the Scriptures was only written for a select few to understand is not true. God chose fishermen to write scriptures. He chose tax collectors to write scripture. Jesus said, you can know what I'm teaching. But their response is, when Jesus said, you're trying to kill me, you've got a demon, you're deranged. Do you see these views being expressed here? What Jesus did was point out they were prejudiced. He says, judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. What is Jesus asking them to do? Suspend for just a moment your hatred, your prejudice. Oh yeah, they've already got their mind made up. Anybody who would heal somebody on the Sabbath day can't be good. And Jesus said, well, what about yourselves? Will you circumcise a child on the eighth day? Well, yeah. And not break the Sabbath? Yeah. Well, then you, why won't you listen to me? But oh, I'm amazed at this last part. Here's the Jews from Jerusalem. Here's the people, not from Galilee, but from Jerusalem, and they're listening and they're hearing the boldness of Jesus. And their conclusion is, could it be that the reason why these rulers are not answering Jesus is because they know that he truly is the Christ? Could it be because they don't have an answer? Now, very quickly, verses 37 through 53. Again, we're not going to read it all, just select parts of it. Verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Pause and let that verse sink in for just a moment. Verse 40, therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. Some said, Will Christ come out of Galilee? Has not the scriptures said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to Take him, but no one laid hands on him. And the officers came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why have you not brought him? And the officer said, No man ever spoke like this man. The Pharisees answered them, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd that does not know the law is accursed. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, Does our law judge a man before it hears him? And does it know what he's doing? And they answered and said to him, Are you also from Galilee? Search and look, for no prophet has arisen from Galilee. Now folks, here's where a little history comes in. 
the last day of the feast was an important one. It was a day of celebration, a day of a culmination that they've all gathered to gather here. One of the items that history records that they did was that the high priest would go down to the pool of Siloam. He'd take a large golden vessel and fill it full of water and he would lead a procession, lead a parade, if you will, back to the temple. He would go in the temple and the people would then circle the altar with him and he would take and pour the water out on the altar. It was a symbolic event of God's blessing of water. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? All the Old Testament imagery is full here. You remember Numbers or Exodus 17, verse 6, Numbers 20, verse 11, how water came forth while the children of Israel were going through that wilderness wandering? The Feast of Tabernacles, it's to remember that wandering. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, Ho, everyone who thirsts, let him come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yes, come buy milk and wine without money and without price. You know what it means when you can buy something without money? It's free. Jesus is saying, anyone who's thirsts, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Zechariah chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, specifically brings up the Feast of Tabernacles and talks about people going to it. And it says in verse 17, And it shall be that whoever of the families of the earth do not come up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, on them there shall be no rain. Water was an important fact of this. So when Jesus stands up and he cries out for those who are thirsty to be able to come, Oh, there's a, a great meaning on this day about that. But what resulted was four different views. This is last day now. They've heard him. They've seen him. They've heard the opinions of others. They've heard the opinions of experts. And some people said, this is the prophet. You remember Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 18. God's going to raise up a prophet likened to Moses, to him they would listen or hearken. Do you remember the prophecy of Malachi 4 verse, 5, 4 verse 5, excuse me, is where Elijah the prophet was going to be sent? Do you remember as Jesus talked to his disciples in Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? Some say you're Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Others say that he's the Christ, that he's the son of the living God. That he's the Messiah. That's what that means. John 1.41 and John 4.25. A third view is that he's an imposter and needs to be arrested. That's the view of the experts. But then the fourth view is that of those officers who were sent to arrest him. And they said, no one ever spoke like this man. Why didn't you pick him up and bring him in? He's not an ordinary man. He's a great orator. Nicodemus says, well, doesn't our law demand us to give him a fair hearing? Well, what's wrong with you, Nicodemus? Are you from Galilee as well? They insult his character and they insult him and his intelligence. Last verse, verse 53. 
and everyone went to his own house. Everyone went to his own house. Everybody had a chance to listen, to learn, and see who is this Jesus. So many opinions, but yet just one truth. All Jesus asked for is a fair hearing, a righteous judgment. And do you know what conclusion you will come to after hearing everything about Jesus? He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. What a powerful message in John chapter 7. Again, building this idea that Jesus is the Christ. Well, if He is the Christ, if He is the Son of the living God, then He is the one to whom you and I should submit our lives. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our obedience. If you believe that He is the Son of God, and you are sorry for your sins to the point that you're willing to change and repent, why not come forward and confess that faith and be baptized, that is, to be placed into the body of Christ because you did what He told you to do, to be immersed in water for the remission of your sins. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Oh, but so many of us have sometimes allowed our faith to wane and our faithfulness to become less than it ought to be. And Jesus bids us to come back to him. For those of you who are in this audience this morning, your life is marked by unfaithfulness. Let me plead with you, let me beg with you to make corrections. Your soul is too important to you. And the Lord is too honorable for us to neglect Him. If you need to respond, would you come as we together stand and sing?